Welcome to Weight Loss and Wellness for Real, the podcast where people like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the physical and mental weight so you can feel better and live the life you want in the body and mind you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating, overeating, binging behaviors, and move to a place of freedom with food and your body, you're in the right place. Just a reminder that this podcast represents my own opinions. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. Hi friends and welcome. I'm glad you're here. This is episode 53 of the podcast, Weight Loss and Wellness for Real. And as the title of this episode suggests, we are going to talk all about compliance today. Compliance is the number one key for weight loss for good, but more importantly, we're going to talk today about how to actually create it. So this is if you are trying to figure out ways to get more compliance with your daily new habits you're trying to put into place around food or drink or maybe movement goals that you have, but this can also apply, um, doesn't have to be weight loss or health related goals, any goals that you have in life, any behavior changes that you're trying to make um, requires compliance. And uh, so this episode is going to talk about um, how you can actually create that for any goals that you have set. Before we get into it though, just a reminder, you can go to my website, heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. From there, you can request to work with me online, either uh, through therapy services or online life coaching, health coaching. Um, Yeah, that's just, that's where you can go to request to work with me. Uh, You can also go there. There's some discount codes there for companies that I work with. You can also get to my social media handles from there, and you can also listen to these podcasts from there. Uh, Feel free to send me any questions you might have in regards to nutrition and wellness and well-being or intermittent fasting, as I also have another podcast focused on intermittent fasting. I do try to include most of your questions within the podcast, within the episodes that I produce. So feel free to email some questions. Okay, let's get into today's topic of compliance. I hope you are finding something useful from these episodes and this podcast. And if so, please share it with someone else in your life you feel it could benefit. This podcast is also now monetized. So if you really feel you are getting a lot from it and want to help keep it going, please go to the episode show notes. You can just scroll down from wherever you're listening. You'll see a description of the episode and then you will see it says support this podcast and then there's a link you can click on. You can click on that link and that's where you can support the podcast. Even the smallest donation, like 99 cents, helps to keep me producing the podcast. And to those of you who have donated, I really, really appreciate the support. I really do appreciate all of you listening and sharing the space with me. Again, just very thankful for all of you. So I've been doing health and weight loss coaching for quite a while now. And what I have seen firsthand is that the diet the person is following 
you know, the, the way of eating the person is following really doesn't matter very much in regards to actually losing weight. So, you know, you may be following a vegan diet, a carnivore diet, keto, following specific macros. You may be low carb. You may be carb loading, carb cycling. You may just be counting calories. So, you know, there's all these ways of dieting, all these ways of eating. And really, you know, research would tell us you can lose weight on all of these plans. So I've seen people lose weight on all of them. I've lost weight on most of these plans. You know, we really do know that weight can be taken off following almost any sort of diet plan. But the problem is, is that for many of them, we can follow them for a while and then we can't. And so the weight comes back on and often more weight than what we started out trying to lose. So, you know, the idea is you want to lose, and and that's what this podcast is all about. It's about losing the weight for good. It's about creating a lifestyle where you get to enjoy food and enjoy drink if that's your deal while living in the body you want to live in. So you want to be able to do it for good. And in order to do that with any of these plans, you know, you need compliance. So all these diets will work if there is compliance. Without compliance, you may lose at first, but once compliance stops, that's when the weight comes back. And like I said, usually plus some. So we know that compliance really is the key to long-term weight loss and maintenance, you must comply with the diet you choose. So a study from the National Institute of Health, um, you know, talked about strategies on how to improve adherence to dietary weight loss interventions. And well, the title was how to improve adherence to dietary weight loss and interventions in research and real world settings. So this reported that a higher level of adherence to a diet, regardless of the type of diet, is the most important factor in weight loss success over the short short term and over the long term. So basically, how well you stick to your diet day in and day out is compliance, and that is what will or won't get you to your goal and get you to stay there. So just really important to understand how important compliance is. So the actual definition of compliance is the ability to act according to an order or a set of rules or requests. You know, it's the the act or process of doing what you have been asked to do. So basically, when we're talking about compliance in the weight loss world, you know, it is you know, you're asking yourself to follow a certain set of guidelines or maybe rules or, you know, we talked last week about boundaries, like all those things in regards to food and drink. And you're asking yourself to do that. So compliance is the actual act or process of following what you've asked yourself to do. There is actual science behind compliance. And and I really want to get into that because understanding the mechanism behind creating compliance for ourselves is really helpful to make compliance happen. So let's talk about the science behind behavior change. Understanding that much of human behavior is the, it's the playing out of patterns. I talk about patterns a lot in this podcast, patterns and habits. So understand that most of our human behavior is the playing out of patterns um, and habits and 
the patterns and habits of thoughts, feelings, behaviors, right? So we have a thought, creates the feeling, which has along with it that little sensation package, that chemical cocktail that runs through our body. And from that, it motivates our behavior, motors our behavior. So the playing out of patterns of, you know, sort of, I guess you could call it neuroassociative responses to stimuli in our environment that are repeated, um, they eventually become habitual. So, so we... Break, I'm going to break it down here. So we have a cue in our environment, okay? So for example, um, let's say a cookie in the break room, right? So we have a cue in our environment. That's the cookie in the break room. We have a pattern thought, something like, that looks good. I want to eat it. We have a pattern feeling from that thought. So the thought, that looks good, I want to eat it, creates this feeling of maybe excitement, anticipation. And with that feeling, we get pleasant sensations within our body that then motors our behavior to pick up the cookie and eat it, sometimes before we even realize what we're doing. So this is habit and patterns. We we need responses that our habits and, and patterns... Um, that are habitual and pattern because it allows us as humans to make millions of decisions without having to take energy to think about them, right? So just the point here, patterns and habits are necessary. The problem is, is that the patterns and habits we develop are not always in our best interest, like eating the cookie when we have a goal to lose some weight. So developing compliance with a certain way of eating to create weight loss or health goals we have for ourselves means having to change the conditioning so our response can change with it. So we have to break the conditioning of grabbing the cookie in the lounge when we see it. We have to break that pattern. We have to pattern interrupt. We um, you know, have to break the habit. So breaking down behavior change into, I'm going to break it down into five steps for our purposes here. I mean, there's a lot more to behavior change, but um, let's just try to keep it somewhat contained in this episode. So to create compliance, these are some of the things we need. We need that pattern interrupt, like I just talked about. If you have patterns that are breaking compliance to your eating plan, so for example, you know, you have a pattern of over drinking or overeating in the evenings or on the weekends. I just see that one a lot, so I like using that example. Um, I tend to still work on that pattern. I have lots of clients who work on that pattern with overeating in the evening or the weekends. So this pattern somehow needs to be interrupted. And this may mean, you know, if you're in the habit of eating a big bowl of ice cream on the couch in front of the TV every evening after work, Interrupting the pattern may mean you instead eat your ice cream in a smaller bowl or you eat the ice cream at the table, not the couch. Maybe you sit in a different spot to watch TV. These are all those small doable, and remember, it's really important to make it doable. It's all those small but doable changes that maybe stretch you just a tiny bit Um, You know, you don't want to make too many difficult changes all at once because that does not um, help us with compliance. You, You want these changes to be small and doable. And these little things that you can comply with, they might stretch you a tiny bit, but you can comply with. These things interrupt the pattern that you're in and get you on your way to behavior change and compliance. So that's one thing. You want to interrupt the pattern and you want to interrupt it with doable 
behavior changes, okay? The next thing you need for compliance is commitment and consistency. And this goes back to what I was just talking about, small commitments, doable small commitments that stretch you just a bit, but are doable, okay? So the smaller bowl of ice cream or eating the ice cream in a different spot, you still get to eat the ice cream, but we're doing it in a slightly different way. So making these smaller commitments makes making bigger commitments become almost automatic as your self-image shifts, as you follow through on your smaller commitments, you start to hold a different belief about yourself, which will come through in different thoughts and different feelings and therefore different behaviors. So living in alignment with these small commitments feels really good while defying them does not. So you're going to find it becomes much easier to eat out of the smaller bowl over time. And then you're going to find you're motivated to eat out of an even smaller bowl. And then you're going to find one evening down the road, you may still want the ice cream, but you sort of have this thought like, I don't think I need it tonight. And and then you don't have it. And that's how it becomes such a beautiful process. It's not this, you know, real white knuckling, um, have to get through this. It's it's small changes at a time to create a more effortless process to get you there. Um, and so now in this moment, you have consistency with compliance. Next thing you need is accountability. And there is science behind us. The, the science behind this, the science and research tells us that accountability helps keep us in compliance. So some people are really good at keeping themselves accountable, but many of us do better with accountability from others. So hiring a coach, asking a loved one or a friend, but find someone to help keep you accountable in a kind, compassionate way. Checking in with someone you know knows your goals for your behavior can be really persuasive um, to keep us in compliance with our behaviors for our goals. And then the next thing you need is repetition. So constant repetition is key to stimulating behavior change. If we really want to change our eating behaviors, if we really want to stay in compliance, we have to repeat the new patterns of eating that we want to be compliant with. So repetition creates new patterns and habits. New patterns and habits allow us to conserve time and energy because now we're not having to think all the time. We're not having to make all these decisions. So we're conserving time and energy and eventually this is what we want. So, so we don't have to think about what we are or aren't eating all the time. So we're not having our weight going up and down all the time. These new patterns of eating, these new healthy habits are actually what allow for food freedom. This is what gives us the ability to move on to other interests in our life. So repetition. And then the fifth one um, to help with compliance is the idea that as humans, we are always trying to avoid pain and we are trying to gain pleasure. So pain and pleasure, they are two of life's greatest motivators. The, the pleasure of eating that donut is very motivating. The pain of des- denying yourself the donut makes you want to eat it more. So we eat the donut because in the moment we associate more pleasure with eating it than from changing our behavior and not eating it. So if we can learn to truly associate pleasure with a change of behavior. So feeling pleasure from not eating the donut, if we can kind of train ourselves to feel pleasure from not eating the donut, then we can truly create behavior change and compliance becomes easier. So the idea here 
would be to pause before, before consuming the donut and to just go through in your mind how eating the donut will cause you pain in the future. So, you know, in the future, when you're thinking about not losing weight this week or how it's going to cause you to feel not good in your body or sick to your stomach or how it will um, make putting on your jeans the next morning feel tight, whatever story or narrative works for you here, you want to lessen the pleasure in the moment. Um, you know, so something you might consider thinking it's going to be over so quick and then I'm going to regret it. So yes, it's going to be pleasurable for maybe 30 seconds, but then I'm going to feel pain about having ate it. And then, you know, going into how amazing you will feel in about five minutes if you choose not to eat it, you know, Hey, I did it. I didn't eat the donut. I feel really good about following through on my goals. So really taking that pause in them in that moment to go through that pain and pleasure cycle and get really real with yourself can often help us stay in compliance with our goals. So that gives you some ideas on the science behind behavior change and creating compliance. And now I want to talk about some of the ways different diets achieve the same goal of fat or weight loss. So, and and basically because I just want you to understand you know, there's not going to be one specific magic bullet diet that is ever going to work. It, it, you really need to choose, and I don't like the word diet, but you really need to choose a way of eating that you really can see yourself living with for the rest of your life because that's what creates compliance and then allows you to lose the weight, but then also to keep it off for good. So, all diets, all ways of eating have their own little set of tricks. So low-fat diets, for instance, were based on the assumption that people would take in fewer calories if they avoided fats. Um, eating primarily, primarily carbs and, and proteins in that one. Low-carb diets also intend to create that required deficit of energy by having um, people consume fewer calories overall. The difference is that they rely on limiting carbs instead of fats to restrict calories overall. Um, and then there's the 5-2 diet, and that's with intermittent fasting, um, attempts to create that very same deficit by requiring a two-day fasting period every week where you are only allowed to eat 500 calories on each of those days. Again, each of these diets will often produce weight loss. Well, they will produce weight loss if they are proper, properly adhered to if there is compliance with them. But none of them will work if they are not followed consistently. So in the end, this really does come down to you as the individual person, your personality, your lifestyle. You know, if you cannot imagine a day without bread, then low carb eating, low carb diet is probably going to really suck for you, right? So that would not be a way of eating that you want to choose. You have to get really um, oh, honest with yourself. What will work and what doesn't, you know? Um, another thing, you know, do you have low blood sugar and feel terrible if you haven't eaten in a while? Then you're going to have a hard time on a fasting approach like the 5-2 diet, right? Where you're literally trying to fast two full days out of the week. This one for me, there is no way I could ever do this. Like there is no way I could go a full day. Well, I shouldn't say no way. Maybe, 
you know, down the line, if I feel that might be helpful and I can do it, I would. But I, I just have no interest. That's what I will say. I have no interest in not eating for a full day. So, you know, that one's not going to work for me. I'm not going to be able to, you know, fast for two days a week for the rest of my life. That's that's not going to happen. So the right diet for you, the right way of eating for you is the one that you're going to follow, that you're going to comply with. And for this reason, one of the first things you know, you want to do is ask yourself about your specific food preferences, um, limitations, overall lifestyle. Uh, The first thing I have my clients do for me is fill out a really detailed assessment so I can get a picture of their lifestyle and where we want to start. You know, if, if, um, they're answering questions on there and I, I recognize that, you know, uh, it's really important to them to be eating dinner with their families. I, I'm not going to have them doing an intermittent fasting protocol where they eat for the first six hours in the morning and then they're fasting the rest of the night. You know, they need to be eating with their families. So it's really important to be honest with yourself and really assess um, where you're at with your food, with your lifestyle, what's enjoyable, what's not. When people love specific foods, any diet that completely restricts that food is going to be that much harder to stick to. And, you know, said another way, you're going to have much lower compliance with your way of eating if your way of eating, if your diet is not enjoyable. So some people are like, there's no way I can, you know, enjoy dieting. But It really is possible, and that is what gets us into compliance. So remember the pleasure pain principle we talked about? If if we lessen the pain of dieting and increase the pleasure of dieting or way of eating, we get compliance. So the best, most optimal ways of eating will fail if you don't stick to them, and you will get better results from figuring out an eating pattern where you do not feel deprived. One that still allows you to enjoy your favorite foods while getting results at the same time. This is also why I am a stickler with my clients for thought work, okay? Because getting them to learn the skill of thinking in a different way about eating, about food, about their bodies, creates the feelings we want to motivate the compliant behavior. So this kind of stuff really does go back to our thoughts. Um, You know, when I said you're going to get better results from figuring out an eating pattern where you don't feel deprived, remember, feeling deprived. Deprived is a feeling. So if we don't want to feel deprived, we have to change our thoughts and how we're thinking about food, about eating, um, about our goals. Okay, let's keep moving on here. Let's talk about, you know, a diet or a way of eating that you will stick to in the long term. And, you know, we want that, we want that way of eating to gradually become a habit, right? Because we're looking for compliance, which means we don't want to be making decisions all the time. We don't want to be taking that energy. We, we want our lifestyle, our way of eating to become more of a habit, just a pattern. Um, we want a lifestyle change that, you know, gives us real lasting results instead of crash dieting with this constant ups and downs with the constant, you know, yeah, weight comes down when we crash diet, but you know, that yo-yo dieting, that's most of us have experienced it comes right back on again. 
So for the next diet or way of eating approach that you choose, it's really important not to get too wrapped up in all the hype or because so-and-so is doing it on Instagram or whatever. Instead, look at the diet or way of eating really critically and ask yourself, can I actually see myself doing this week after week until I hit my goal and will I be miserable doing it? If the answer is yes, that particular diet or way of eating is not for you. End of story. You just need to be done with it at that point. But I guarantee you that there are other approaches that you're much more in sync with where your dietary compliance will require considerably less effort. And you know, I don't want I don't want this episode to turn into a commercial or marketing scheme, but truly if you'd like some help figuring out the best dietary approach for you, you know, do feel free to head over to my website and look at what I offer to help partner with my clients to figure these things out. Um Like I talked about, my clients get a comprehensive dietary and lifestyle assessment, and then I help them figure out an approach that is tailored for their specific goals, personality, food preferences, lifestyle. And with that said, that still does not mean um, that it is going to be the perfect way of eating for them. We try things, we experiment, we um, work on things, and over time, we figure out a really strong lifestyle approach, a, a way of eating that fits with their lifestyle, that gets them to the body they want to be in, and that they feel good about. Okay, so moving on. That gives you some ideas on how our brains work to create compliance. So now I want to get into some really practical strategies that we know from research work to create compliance specifically within diet plans or new ways of eating that you are trying to implement to reach weight loss or or health goals. And these ideas are coming directly from research papers that I have studied and read and worked into um, my whole program and how I work with clients. So we want to use ways of eating that help to control the increased drive to eat that accompanies weight loss. So when we are losing weight, um, there is often hunger and crankiness and low energy that goes along with it. And when those things occur, it's really hard to stay in compliance with a way of eating. So using specific foods and timing of foods can really help control hunger cues and keep us satiated. And if if we're feeling satiated and we're not getting hungry and we still have energy, it's much easier to comply with a specific way of eating. And there are certain foods and timing of foods that can really help with this. Another way to do it is definitely tailoring the diet to the person's unique dietary preferences and also nutritional requirements. And again, back to creating a way of eating that you enjoy and feel you can follow for the rest of your life. I know for me, this is personally why I like intermittent fasting so much because it gives me some flexibility in foods I enjoy, but also keeps some guidelines in place for me so that I don't go overboard because that's the tendency I tend to have. This does not mean intermittent fasting will work for everyone. It's just an example of something that works for me. And another example would be a client um, who really enjoys good wine. You know, we don't take that away. We find ways to implement it so they can still enjoy it while losing the weight they want to lose. 
So tailoring the diet to each of our unique dietary preferences, what we enjoy. Okay, next one would be promoting self-monitoring of food intake. So this is part of that accountability piece I talked about before. We know that logging food and being mindful of what we eat or drink eat and drink, can really help with compliance. So this doesn't have to go on forever, but when trying to lose weight, it is it is a good way to get into new patterns and habits of behaviors with food and food choices. So self-monitoring usually means, um, you know, entering food and drink into an app for a while um, to really keep ourselves mindful of what we are taking in. If that is self-monitoring or self-accountability as well. Um, you know, you can also work with someone or, you know, sharing what you're eating or drinking with someone else can work on that accountability piece too. Um, and then we also know one big thing is planning and preparing food beforehand. So I know many of us hate this task, but it's important to understand that if you want to start creating more compliance with yourself, then planning, research would tell us, is probably one of the top behaviors that will help create compliance. So if I can get a client to plan their food out for the day, the, for the week, and prepare it, every single time I will have, this client will lose weight. If this client is willing to do it, they do lose weight. weight, weight every single time. That's how powerful planning and preparing is for weight loss. Again, this does not have to go on forever, but if you're really looking for ways to stay compliant and kind of create that new pattern, that new habit of way of eating, and only want to implement one thing, this would be the one thing to implement. Planning out what you're going to eat for the day or the week even, and then preparing, taking time to prepare that so it's ready to go. Okay, so we've talked about the psychology and the brain science behind compliance, why you must choose an eating plan that you actually believe you can stick to to the rest of your life. Now, this doesn't mean you won't change it up. You might. But when you are choosing an eating plan, you have to get really real and honest with yourself and make sure it is something you could see yourself eating that way and drinking that way for the rest of your life. Um, If you want to lose weight or create new healthy behaviors and make it last for life. And we've talked about some really practical strategies you can implement immediately to create more compliance with yourself. If you try anything, uh, feel free to email me or DM me and let me know how it went. I do appreciate all you being here and, and listening. And I really hope you found something really helpful for yourself. And if you did or think it might be helpful for someone else, please pass along the podcast. And thanks again for sharing this space with me. We will talk soon. Did you know you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. And get in touch with questions on all things I offer like online courses for overeating, weight loss, goal attainment, and also my coaching and counseling services.